Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. So Danny, thanks so much for coming on the show. Greatly appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. The reason I have you on today is that you are um, a new member as of a couple of weeks ago, right, of the DSO fraternity, our members only group. And um, right. you got on the um, Facebook discussion group for men in dead bedrooms. Introduce yourself. And mm-hmm. uh, the one thing that set off red flags for everybody with your story was right away you said, my girlfriend and I. So you're a little different from most readers in that you are not married. Uh, no, no, I was married, but not anymore. Okay, so you were married before. So this is your, what I want to say, second major long-term relationship. Is that true? Um, I've had a couple, let's see, I've had, I think, three or four long-term relationships in my life. I'm in my mid-40s. So, yeah, um, it's definitely a, this was a big one. Okay, and so, well, let's do some background. How did you two meet, you and the girlfriend? Well, um, uh, of all things, we met actually on Instagram. Uh, she uh, was a fan of, of some of my work. I like to make art. And, um, and you know, I, I, geez, I have over 10,000 female followers. So naturally, nice. I, uh, I'll, I'll get um, messages from, from women occasionally who, who find me handsome or like the art or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and uh, she was no different. So she started messaging me and, um, and you know, she was rather young. Um, and I was like, Hey, I really appreciate messaging me, but, um, yeah, no, uh, I'm not into it at all. Um, I, I also, I had just gone through a rather nasty, uh, uh, breakup and I was not looking to meet anybody, but, uh, she stayed consistent with me for over two years. Um, we, we became what I thought to be very close friends uh, shared intimate details of each other's lives. And, um, I grew to actually love her and she, uh, you know, we, we got together and and the rest is history. Was she a much younger gal? Yeah. About 20 years, my junior. Damn. Well, all right. Mm -hmm. So let's look at, let's just put it bluntly. You have enough social cachet via your art, personal aesthetic, whatever it may be, 
that you are able to attract some women, they just kind of flock to you, so to speak. You don't have to put a lot of work into saying, hey, ladies, here I am. You're literally getting messages in your inbox saying, I like what you do. I'd like to get to know you better. And some of those are actually a heck of a lot younger than you. So that shows me that you, you kind of got it going on. Um, not to inflate your, your man yeah, ego there I've too always, much. Yeah, I've, I've always had uh, good luck with women. I've always dated very beautiful women. Um, everybody from Playboy Playmates to models to whatever. Well, all right. I've always uh, been fortunate in that way. Well, that's interesting. But let's let's rewind the hands of time a little bit more and just briefly go touch on the um, the marriage that ended because you just said it it was pretty ugly. It was pretty bad ending to the to that relationship. What happened there? Well, the marriage was not the relationship I just referenced. That, that oh, I'm sorry. Up. Okay. Um, yeah, no, it's okay. It, it was it was a, a different situation. I, I've been divorced now for geez, thirteen years mm-hmm. or so. Um, uh, I was together with my most recent for just over two and the girl before that for just over two. Uh, So I had about a two year span in between those two relationships. I, I, you know, I needed to take a long break after that one. That one was just gross. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, and that just to clarify on that for you, what qualified it as gross? Well, um, I'll, I'll give you the short version. Uh, I had known her for about five years. We actually worked together um, at a place and uh, I, I thought she was gorgeous and beautiful and all that good stuff. And we became friends. We went out on a couple of dates, but nothing major. Uh, she moved back to the Midwest where she was originally from. Uh, I got into a car accident in 2014 um, had to have some surgery in 2015. Uh, and, you know, she reached out to me, oh my God, how you doing? And I was just like, Hey, I'm super into you. I've always been super into you. She's like, Oh my God, let's make this work. I uh, spent two years together. And then one night while at an awards dinner, I came home and she was just gone. Uh, no fights, no upsets, uh, no letter, nothing. And, uh, she, it turns out that she actually, um, hopped on a plane to Australia to join a cult. Fun stuff. Oh, wow. Well, you don't hear that every day. Goodness. So, oh, you sure don't. So, so, long story short, she had some issues, and this is a yeah. difficult way of discovering that. Wow. Well, live and learn. But uh, two year relationship. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. That's a, it's a long term relationship. That's enough for two people to bond together and then some. And then um, the particulars of marriage number one. I know that was a long time ago, but it does paint the picture for what got you here. What was the uh, story there? Was there infidelity mixed in with somewhere in there? I'm trying to remember with those previous relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we got together when we were very, very young. I, she was 22 and I think I was 23 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, got together very young, got married at like 25, uh, it was one of those relationships that should have lasted 45 minutes, not eight years. You know what I mean? It was sure. just, uh, it, it was just a, uh, we, we, you, 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 you get very different when, when you age and, and she had a, a real problem being faithful. Um, uh, she would date men from her work and, you know, I, I, I just noticed devious and deceitful behavior and, yeah. and that's just not something I could, I could tolerate. So I had to, I had to call her quits on that one. Well, good for you for calling quits on that. Um, when did the, uh, I, th- I think it's interesting. I read one of your other posts. When did the, um, 
the interest in the art, that wasn't something that you've had since an early age, is it? No, no. I, uh, that accident I had that I mentioned earlier in 2014, Mm -hmm. I sustained multiple injuries from it, but, um, one of them was a brain injury. And ever since I got the brain injury, I could actually paint. How interesting. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's not as much fun as it sounds. No. Like, wow, that's that's so cool. But it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a silver lining and I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could figure out a way to monetize it properly, that would be even better. <laughs> that's, uh, you that's, know, I've done shows all yeah. over the world. I've, I've done some cool stuff, but, um, you know, it is definitely not my full time, my full time yeah. occupation. Although I do paint, I do paint pretty much every day. So wow. I enjoy it. Well, with, um, I assume this qualifies as a traumatic brain injury. Uh, yes, sir. Technically. So with a lot of traumatic brain injuries, there's a lot of problems with uh, regulating emotion. Um, mm-hmm. I, I knew of personally, uh, um, there was a young man when I when I went to high school who was in a car accident that killed one gal, um, severely injured another, and he was tr- had a traumatic brain injury. And after that point, he had a lot of difficulty with impulse control. And I remember it got, it got to the point where he had uh, sexual impulses were difficult to regulate for him to the point where several girls in our class took out restraining orders on him because he was just being a little too much. And uh, from what I understand through therapy and everything else, he's gotten a lot better. But um, that's an extreme example. But I've heard a lot of people, especially guys, um, military guys who come back from war and uh, they have a lot of traumatic brain injury or just a lot of repetitive concussive injuries that have taken their toll over you know, months of being out in the field and they come back and they report much the same thing. A lot of difficulty dealing with people on a social level. The relationships are difficult for them. Have you experienced anything like that since then? Um, no, not, not an impulse control issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, for the first, I would say year and a half, I was completely out of my mind. Um, I was having severe hallucinations. Wow. I was very, uh, fo- very photosensitive, um, paranoid, uh, just kind of bouncing off the walls, very manic. Um, and it's calmed down. My neurologist told me that, Hey, this, this will pass. And he diagnosed me with, with what's called post-concussive syndrome mm-hmm. where, um, he said, you know, is this going to take time, you know, just stay quiet, keep your hobbies quiet. And he actually is the one who suggested painting as something to, kind of um be a pastime for me and and that's how i i started painting because i would have these almost like fractal like um visions and uh i just started painting and it just kind of just flowed out it was uh kind of happened but no 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 impulse control i like to think that i'm a fairly mild uh mannered i i work a lot i'm i'm very much into philosophy and stoicism and uh, a lot of other disciplines. Um, however, my buttons can still be pushed. Sure. Obviously, <laughs> when it, in extreme cases. Yeah. Um, but I, I, for the most part, I, I try to maintain my frame as, as much as possible. Well, very good. Good for you. And it seems like you're doing well. But then here we are. And the reason we are here is because you found my book, The Dead Bedroom Fix, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, you read very it. Very good book, by the way. Oh, thank you very I much. I enjoyed I, it very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, but. I appreciate you reading it, but at the same time, I hate that you had to read the thing. And the reason you had to read the thing yeah. is because the bedroom died in your uh, relationship with your girlfriend. And that was for a period of how long would you say that you noticed, wow, this 
we're just not intimately connected anymore. Well, um, we started off extremely hot and heavy. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm going to kind of branch off into some other things as we go along. Please, maybe please. give some guys some signs to look out for. But uh, she was a complete nympho when we got together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it was almost difficult to keep up with her, and she's gorgeous, like an absolute stunner, like I, like a ten, a ten out of ten mm-hmm. in every way. And um, <clears throat> and I would say. About six months in, uh, she went on a trip back to the Midwest to visit her family for about four days. And she came back and things had changed. Um, not dramatically, mind you, but we, we went from going having, having sex maybe once or twice a day to maybe twice a week. That's a pretty significant decrease. That's a pretty significant decrease. And I, I questioned her about it. And she said, oh, well, you know, my family, uh, you know, didn't treat me very well. I'm just kind of depressed. You know, don't worry. I'll, I'll work it out. I'll, I'll work through it. And, you know, of course, being supportive, I'm like, hey, you know, I totally get it because her, her home life wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst either, but it wasn't the best. So, you know, you try to give people space and let them kind of recalibrate and get back into the swing. So that's when I first noted, noticed things changing as far as the energy dynamic so pretty pretty basic red flag of xyz happened and then hmm i noticed a change well with a lot of guys that we talk to it's a very gradual process of kids and some kind of job loss you know like a series of stressors yours was a very distinct event of she went away and come back came back a new person um so right given your past history with infidelity from the ex did your mind start wandering in that direction at all? A bit, but not really. Um, because, well, what's that old saying? When you look at the world through rose-colored glasses, <laughs> you can't see the red flags. That's right. That's right. Right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought she was a good girl. You know, she was completely, what I thought, uh, head over heels in love with me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I and she had a history of mental issues. Yeah. And, and she 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 prefaced me as saying, "Hey, hey, you know, I have ups and downs. I have this and that." And I said, "Hey, you know, I, I totally get it, and that's fine. You know, we can work through anything as long as we <laughs> communicate and we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. We're good." Yeah. How many times I've heard from men when I say, "Were there any warning signs early on of some trouble?" And a lot of them will report, "Yeah, the woman bluntly told me very early on." You, I hope you know what you're getting into here, because you're you're in for mm. you're in for a wild ride, Mister. <laughs> I have a history of this and this and this, and in childhood these awful things happened to me. And frankly, I've never dealt with them, so take it or leave it. And a lot of guys are just so caught up in that in love, over the top romance. Holy shit, this woman's amazing. That they're like, yeah, 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 that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. We'll just deal with that when we deal with that. So anyway, let's get back to where we were. It kind of sounds like you had some flavor of that going on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, I things gradually got pretty good and back to to normal. Um, and then uh, when the when the whole pandemic and stuff happened, uh, we were on lockdown, and lockdown in LA was was not much fun. It was um, you know basically you're staying inside your house twenty four seven. 
Um, but I did the best I could to keep her busy and, and occupied and, and just make sure she had a good time. And, uh, we always got along really well. We didn't really have too many upsets or fights ever. Um, uh, what happened was, is, you know, you flash forward another year, um, uh, sick of being in lockdown, sick of being in quarantine. Uh, my ex-wife is a hairstylist and in LA, she couldn't work for a whole year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, meanwhile, I'm, I'm out there just trying to get any work I can to keep the lights on. Um, and so I'm going out to work every day. I'm taking care of everybody. I'm, I'm doing my thing. Uh, she was not working. So she was at home. So essentially for the last two years, I basically supported everything. Um, I came up with the idea. I said, you know what? We should get out of California. And I've been wanting to get out of California for over a decade. So I, I looked at this as a great opportunity to move somewhere where it's inexpensive, easier to, to get ahead. Because even in Los Angeles, I've always made good money. But even in LA, if you're not pulling 250 or 300 a year, you're basically poverty level. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, t I coordinated with the ex-wife who uh, was dating a guy from her same state, which is kind of funny uh, that they met out there. And he had kids that he was flying back and forth to, even in the middle of the pandemic, to go visit. And I was like, why don't we all call it a day, pack up, and move to the Midwest? And, you know, they my ex-wife and her uh, boyfriend thought it was a great idea and she was she was behind it even though she wasn't really like super stoked on coming back to where she lived because she she liked california a lot but the opportunity out there isn't what it used to be um it's been completely decimated it's it's the middle class is, is gone so um in october uh we packed up the car and we uh drove cross country with uh my dog and the puppy I got her in tow and um, made it out to the Midwest to uh, start our new life. Wow. All right. That's a pretty huge move. But that, yeah, it, that, it, that didn't end too well. No, no, it didn't. So um, I, I started up a job with a company I worked with previously um, here. And, you know, just by virtue of how long I've been with the company, I'm now one of the senior people. Uh, out of the region and um and i do quite well um you know i won't disclose how much money i make but you know i'm probably in the top five percent of income earners in the state and you know we came out here with nothing and of course it takes some time to build momentum it's, it's not a salaried position i work in sales as a day job and um you know i, I told her hey you know you know i'm gonna make everything happen you do what you need to do in the meantime, and, it's, and all is well. So she started working um, at a, uh, she had a, a friend who uh, rehabs houses. And so she just started doing general labor, like helping out with, with them. And the whole deal was, you know, that he was going to give her a vehicle after she worked a certain amount of hours, just like a beater car, you know, in lieu of her saving up and buying a car. You know, and I, and I said to her, like, well, I'll just get you a car. It's not a big deal. And she's like, no, no, no. I want to do it myself. I said, okay, fine. Let's sweat off my brow. So she's working and doing her thing there. And her dream was always to be a tattoo artist, right? That was like 
you know, what she's always wanted to do. And, and she's quite a good artist herself. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that bonded us is, is that we both make art. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, in late December, uh, she got a call from a tattoo shop that she used to work at who one of her friends still works at. And the owner said, Hey, why don't you come on down? I want to talk to you. And she went down there and he offered her an apprenticeship position. And of course she was just over the moon. And I was happy for her too. You know, I was like, wow, this is great. Like everything's kind of falling into place. You know, you're doing what you want to do. I'm, you know, working on building up, uh, up a life for us. And we, and at that point we were staying with her friend who worked at the tattoo shop. He's like, Hey, you guys can crash here. Cause you know, he had a four bedroom house and it's just him, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's like, you guys can just stay here until you, you know, get your roots settled and find a place. Cause it was challenging to find a place in the dead of winter too. Cause nobody's renting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to rent before I bought cause I don't know the areas and that could be a whole other nightmare. But anyway, so, uh, she wraps up her work at the tattoo shop. I'm plugging away, going through my corporate existence and I'm out running sales leads and I'm closing deals. And wouldn't you know it, everything is coming up roses. I found a beautiful house and it's like 3,000 square feet, three stories. It's, it's wow. amazing on like an acre lot, uh, close to her new job, right? You know, cause she said, Hey, I want to be closer to my work. I don't want to have to drive a long way in the snow and this and that. And I said, of course, that's fine. And, and I travel every day for work. Um, so I, I drive maybe, 4,000 miles a month on average is what I do. Wow, um, that's a lot because it's sales. Yeah, yeah. It's outside sales, but the money's killer and it's, uh, and it's fun. I, I enjoy it. So great. So we, I, I get her this beautiful house, uh, and then she starts her apprenticeship. Well, the apprenticeship is unpaid. Hmm. Okay. And, and at first everything was, was fine. So, Still no sex, mind you. Um, now, kind of getting back to the dead bedroom. Um, while we were living at her friend's house, we would have sex maybe you know, maybe three or four times a month. But the hours that she was pulling at that construction job were ridiculous. They did a lot of like retail construction work. So mm-hmm. she would go in at, you know, later in the afternoon and not get out until like three or four in the morning. And, you know, she would come home covered in drywall dust and just a mess. And, you know, and I, and I was like, hey, that's fine. You're working these crazy hours, but you have a goal. I can, I can respect that. Because once she found out that she's going to get the apprenticeship, it really lit a fire under her to secure a vehicle of some sort. Anyway, so she starts at the apprenticeship and everything is everything is copacetic. You know, I'm, I'm working my tail off. She's working. And, and the hours I work, um, typically I'll work from... Uh, 9 a.m. till maybe eight o'clock at night and that's i was pulling six days a week because i was the sole breadwinner that's a lot i mean how are you holding up mentally physically during all that well i'm okay i I do i do a lot of i hit the gym early in the morning i'm in really i think good physical condition i also uh, uh, do jujitsu and other fun stuff nice I also I also write novels and play music too. Well, look at you! You're so quite the, you're quite the Renaissance yeah. man. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I I like to think I'm pretty interesting. Um, definitely, I, I've always felt like I had a handle on who I am and the value that I bring. Yeah, good, good. 
Now, you know? just did you and, did your big accident back in 2014, right? Did that? Um, yes, sir. Did that have a profound effect on your view of life going forward? You're like, I'm not going to waste any more time because this you know, this could get snuffed out any minute. Or have you always had this kind of go getter go getterness about you? I, I, well, when I when I was young, like my 20s, you know, I, I had some issues with alcohol and I, I quit drinking. It's been a long, long time since I drank. Good. I never got in any trouble or anything, but I, I just felt like it was something that was stifling me. Um, but I've, I've always been very ambitious. You know, I started going out and playing live venues at 16 years old uh, with music. Um, I've always, I've always felt like I'm, I'm one of those people that always has to be doing something. Like I, I have a really large television set, but I don't think I've turned it on once to watch something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I I'm, I'm not that guy. Good, good. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're um, you're very conscientious, hard worker type, which is great. Well, I try to, and I'm also trying to be very mindful too. I'm a very spiritual person. I, I do my best to be of service to other people um, and basically put out a very smooth, mellow energy. Um, you know, I went, one of the guys in, in the comments section, he's like, Oh, your problem is you're too nice. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, and I, and I thought about that and mm-hmm. I was like, I definitely did engage in some simping in this relationship. Simping. Okay. Gotcha. I, mm-hmm. But I wanted to give her the like she's never had. Well, that's interesting. And let's hold on. Yeah, let's let's put that one up on the board, so to speak. You wanted to give her the life that she never had. Let's okay. We'll come back to that one. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, so um, she starts off at, at this apprenticeship, and everything's fine. And you know, a couple weeks in, you know, she was talking about her mentor, who's a man, and I don't really know him, know him, but I'll I'll, I'll and this is just my take. I'm not saying this is the facts or reality, but this is just my observations. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so she would come home and she would get home anywhere between 10 and like 1130 at night. And she would go on and on about him. Oh my God, he's such a genius. Oh my God, he's so great. Oh my God, his heart's so fantastic. Oh my. And and eventually, you know, I, I kind of got fed up of, of hearing about it. And I said, hey, listen, you know, like, like, I, I don't, this doesn't feel good to me. You know, I don't, I don't like hearing about this. Yeah. Your gut instinct is telling you your girlfriend shouldn't be coming home and spending the time talking about another man, especially in such glowing terms, for goodness sakes. Well, especially when they spend 16 hours a day together. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's time to you know. sw- switch off your work mode with that guy. And now you're in boyfriend mode but she right. she had a difficult um, time making that switch she just kept in that mode the tattoo parlor well you know yeah and, and i was kind of i'm a big fan of i don't really listen to what people say but i watch what they do yeah and um you know at this point we can flash forward to february or so we'd only had sex once that year you know, and, and I kept on bringing it up and she always had an excuse. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so stressed out. Oh, you know, I'm dealing with my childhood trauma right now and I can't even bring myself into that space because if I fall apart, then I'll never be able to work and do this and that. Oh boy. And, and, uh, it's like, okay. And then, 
in early March, I actually got her away for an Airbnb weekend and we went out and did all this cool stuff and we had sex. And I'm like, oh, good. Maybe things are coming around. Well, that was the last time we had sex was mm-hmm. in early March. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, you know, I, I went out and I got us new iPhones. Now, at this point, money's starting to flow in and everything is great. Uh, she's working um, and she had a great relationship with my kids. I, I have grown kids. Well, uh, my daughter is 18 and I have twin boys also that are in their mid teens. And like, they, like she loved the crap out of them and they loved her. Like my daughter and her would go out shopping. They do whatever, you know, like they hung out a lot. Like it was great, but I was starting to see less and less of her. I was starting to hear less and less from her. Mm-hmm. Like I would text her and I see she'd read the text and four or five hours would go by and she would, it took her forever to respond to me. Um, but when she came home, she was very loving and very sweet. She'd come home and get undressed and hop into bed and curl up next to me and, hey, baby, I missed you so much today. I love you so much. Blah, 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 blah. How was your day? You know what I mean? Like, there, she was always very affectionate to me like, in that way, but just no sex. Every time I went to go reach for her or touch her, she would recoil or move my hand away. Mm. And I would bring this up and I would say, like, what, what is going on with you? Yeah. You know, oh. Oh, it's not you. And I said, well, then who is it? Mm. And this went on for a while. And, um, well, and, and I, I got, I got us both uh, new iPhones. I was in need of a new phone. I said, what the hell? I'll, I'll get you a phone too. And of course the iPhones have, um, the, uh, location services on them. So you can always see where people are that you share your family data with. And, uh, one night I, I looked at her location and she's at like a fancy steakhouse mm. and I go, huh? So she, she comes home and I'm like, so, uh, how was work? Oh, it was so crazy and this and that. And it's busy. Oh, yeah, did you, did you eat? Oh yeah, I know I got fed. Okay. Steak. You know, like she's like, oh, well we went out to dinner and everything. I'm like, you know, just, just work dinner. I'm like, um, you know, when people get food at work, they, especially <laughs> people who are supposed to be busy in a shop, they, they go by Carl's Jr. or Subway or they, or they order delivery. Right. Yeah. You were there for like two hours. And she goes, well, if you're just going to be paranoid, I'm going to turn off the location services. Oh, boy. And I said, okay. But it was tearing me up inside because this is the woman who I was head over heels in love with. Well, sure. Who I've invested in, I've spent time with, and now we've known each other coming up on five years, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um... Because I just, you really invested or you really got to know her intimately uh, at an emotional level before you even laid hands on each other. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's you have a lot of uh, oh, positive personal baggage between the two of you, a lot, of, a lot of history there. You really got to know each other. This wasn't some one night stand type of thing. No, not at yeah. all. Okay. And, and we, I thought that we shared everything. And I thought that we were open and honest and communicative with each other because that, to me, is what's paramount in a relationship. Absolutely. Uh, loyalty, trust, communication, mm-hmm. transparency, um, physical intimacy. Those are the things that I need. And so, you know, and she, she would go out with her work friends, even though she said, like, oh, everybody's going. But now in hindsight, you never know. And she wouldn't get home until, like, you know, 1230. But she would text me, like, hey, this is where I'm going. Is it okay with you if I go? You know, if, if not, that's fine. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's important for you to have those kind of dynamics with your coworkers. You know, I'll go with my coworkers once in a while too. It's fine. And that'd be like a once a month thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
as time went on, and now fast forward to where we are now, the stories stopped adding up. Uh, she became very protective of her phone. She slept with her phone under her pillow. Well, that's not good. So she started going in really early, like 7.15, 7.30 in the morning. Yeah. And, and I, I said, why do you go in so early? Oh, I got cleaning and stuff to do. And then I'd be like, oh, I have to clean at night. And I talked to a buddy of mine who owns a shop. And he's like, yeah, dude, like the apprentices pull 16-hour days. This is how it is. And I'm like, hmm, okay. But still, I, I sense a weird dynamic. And, you know, she started like, you know, going online and saying, hey, I need people to get tattoos. And I told her, I said, I'd, I'd love to come in and get a tattoo. Oh, I don't want to tattoo you yet until you're, I'm really good. And these are just like apprentice tattoos. And, you know, I want it to be perfect for you. It's like, okay, well, let's grab lunch. Oh, no, you know, I'm, I'm just so busy. I can't, you know, take a break from anything. And she made like every excuse possible for me not to show up at her work. Mm-hmm. And I've only been there twice and I'm, I'm busy too. Right. Um, so we, we had, we had a discussion, um, you know, um, well, I'll call it a, a discussion because I'm not really a yeller. I'm, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy, but I went to her a couple weeks ago in the morning before she was leaving, you know, and I'm like, listen, I, I watch you groom yourself. I, I watch you take birth control pills and, uh, and something doesn't feel right to me. She's like, oh, you're just being crazy. I'm like, no, no, don't fucking gaslight me. Because there is definitely something that's not kosher here. Mm-hmm. You know, what is going on? And she had this huge blow up and she like ran out of the house. And, you know, and I was like, okay, all right, there's something going on. Yeah. Um, and, and another big uh, tell was after the steakhouse incident, I came to her, I said, listen, I'm not comfortable with this at all. All right. You can go and you can do your job. You can do your things, but going out and grabbing like, you know, like nice steakhouse and, and sushi. And cause I, I just watched for a while, you know, uh, and going out that, that is, that is not okay with me. That's not, I'm not okay with that at all. And, and that's when she said, Oh, I'm going to just turn off location. I said, so instead of listening to me and, you know, respecting my feelings on this, you're just going to turn off your location and do it anyway. Cool. Um, so last Saturday, I, um, she finally left her old phone at home because I thought it was odd that she had both of her phones with her, the one that she had disconnected and then the new one that I got for her. And, um, I, I got off early off, off an early morning appointment. I went back home and I've, I've never been the type to look through anything. I, that's not who I am. You know, I, I just, I don't want to live like that again because I had to do that with my ex-wife. Um, so I, I, uh, I said, you know what? I, I just got her now. And I went in her phone and there was email correspondence with a man uh, about, from about since about five six months into our relationship so right when she went out to the trip mm. uh, she started talking to this guy and this guy's in the uk she's never met him in person wow but i went i went through the emails and they were very explicit and very intimate and she's telling him oh i want to marry you i want to have your kids i want to do this i want to oh, wow. do that 
and you know, I went through, I went through everything and, um, there's all these pictures of her and her boss, like on nature walks and, and doing all this stuff. Nothing that is implicating, but keep in mind, he's married and he's been married for a long time. And, um, Ouch. yeah. And, uh, I think that they were very careful not to communicate via social media or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Because when you're spending 16 hours a day, why do you need to text or message people anyway? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I also found that she had uh, gotten a credit card um, without, you know, my knowledge. I found that interesting as well. Um, and so I discovered all this. And uh, I just sent her a text with the guy's name. Oof. And she was at work, of course. And I. And I told her, I said, I'm packing your things. You're out. Um, and she came, she left work. She came. Now imagine that she actually left work for once. <laughs> uh, she, she came back to the house and she said, I'm, you know, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to stay with my mom tonight and I'll come back tomorrow and get everything. I said, that's fine. So she went, she went to work and she came back the next day and picked up all of her stuff. And, uh, and that was the last I talked to her. I blocked her on everything. And, uh, and it, it's really gutting because she had so many male orbiters. Like when I went, I, I just got a Facebook for the first time actually to join the group. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah. I haven't had a Facebook since 2015. Yeah. Um, I went on her Facebook. There wasn't one single picture of us together. After, and, and we've traveled. Like we've done all kinds of cool stuff. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not a boring guy at all. Mm-hmm. Not one single picture of us together. Not one mention of me. Nothing. So in hindsight, this was a very one-sided romantic relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Ouch, man. And I know a lot of guys listening to this can completely relate to this, as you can tell from the group where a lot of men were like, yeah, because your, your initial post was one of this is what I'm going through the dead bedroom. And you, you hinted around it and I'm, I'm just not quite sure what's going on here. And a lot of the replies right. were basically, oof, ouch, this doesn't look good. For one, right. early stages of a relationship, you should be very much in the honeymoon stage, as we call it, which is just over-the-top physical everything and emotional connection and all that fun stuff, hot and heavy, right. as you call it. And you should be still well into that, especially pre-marriage, pre-kids. But So that's red flag number one, and then some of her behavior of staying out, and et cetera, et cetera. You know the drill. But So here you are. And, um, here I am. You, you have this acutely em- emotional trauma that you're going through still, which is you are very heavily bonded with another person, and all of a sudden that's just gone. And I always, right. I always compare that to it's a limb, and somebody just came along and chopped off your arm and said, See you later. And you're like, I, Can I have that back, please? It's like, no. It's like, Well, I've been, I've had that arm all this time. I kind of need it. No, you well, can't have it. So that's traumatic. And it's it's it, it's extremely traumatic, and I and I want to segue this yeah conversation, which might be actually really helpful to some listeners, into knowledge and recognizing cluster B personality disorder. Yes, yes, well, yeah. I was going to get into that. I actually made a note of that, which is um so once that trauma kind of fades, and it will with time, as you know, you've been down this road before. There's there's absolutely a, there's a very real like coming off of a drug type of relapse not relapsed of uh, uh what's the word 
What, what do they call it when the people come off the drugs and, and the alcohol? They're going through... Okay. Um, um, withdrawals. Withdrawals, thank you. Withdrawals. Yeah. So you're going through very yeah. much a withdrawal process. I would like my drug back now. And every now and then you look mm-hmm. at that phone and go, I could probably pick it up and contact. No, no, don't want to do that. No, it's what's that going to accomplish? Oh, never. Yeah. Never. Let never. Me, let me check out our social media. Let me check out this. Wonder what's going on with her. Nope. Can't do that. As you know, it's just, everybody. Yeah. It's like alcohol. I'm, I'm an alcoholic. Well then get all the booze out of your house. Don't t- you can't take a sip every now and then you can't go out with your buddies for a beer. You just can't, you got a problem. Same time. You have to, and you've learned you're, you're a wise man who's been there, done that a few times, you know, yeah, you can't go down. You have to make that. So guys listening to this, if any of this sounds familiar with your wife or girlfriend, you have to cut contact and basically pretend they're dead. And, um, right. And it's hard. Absolutely. It's hard. It's It's the hardest thing in the world. She was my best friend and I I miss her. I miss her. I miss her family. And what's even compounding is that I don't have a network out here yet. I don't have a social network. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and we moved out here so I could give her a better life. And you should see the house that we made. I mean, like, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It's gorgeous. You know, like every, every detail, just like awesome. Well, I mean, it's, and, um, you know, one way to look at these relationships are it's like a chapter in your life. You had a good year and a half, couple of years together, right? As officially as a couple. I know you knew her for years prior to that, but, so it's a good couple of years chapter and you guys had some off, awesome moments, no doubt about it. And you can look at that and, you know, right. show, show a picture of her to your buddies. But none of it, but none of it was, none of, none of her, none of it was real though. You know, that's and the that's thing though. It, it, it was real. It, it was, she absolutely was head over heels in love with was, you. That's the negative. That I mean, that's, that's the mind F in this whole thing is that with her in the, in the, in her mental framework no. and, and basically her mental no, no, illness. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I, I disagree. And, and not to be, not to be disrespectful, but I know no. what she is and, and I know what her diagnosis is. What the cluster B and, of borderline or narcissistic personality or something along those lines. Yeah. Narcissistic personality disorder. Yeah. You so know, I was nothing more than an appliance to her, but in her world, what her little brain is capable of, you know how you and I can say, there's the woman at the grocery store and I just say hi and she's cute. See you later. Bye. And that's it. Versus my wife at home. I adore and love my wife and I'm loyal to my wife and everything else. Your, your ex-girlfriend doesn't, let's call her Sally. Sally doesn't have that mechanism to differentiate between the two. It's just, Oh, I guy at the grocery store. Is that love? I guess guy that, that I've been with for two years that I call boyfriend that I snuggle with every night and have sex. Is that love? I guess. So to her, she's dealing with the tools she's got. In other words, she's not putting this all on the table and going, how can I hurt my boyfriend and how can I possibly ruin as many men as possible? That's evil. That's like a really sociopathic, terrible person. How can I hurt some people today just so I can get what I want? No, it's like, yeah, I genuinely love this guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. And the rest of us are over here watching her going, no, you don't, sweetie. You don't even know what that is. Because she doesn't, she doesn't have that capability. Well, it's just not there. Sociopath is is, is in the cluster B. Yes. So it, it's and you know and that's what she told me when you know she was like crying and everything. I'm a very broken she's person. Like, I love you so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah she's she crying. She's like, oh, I love you very much. I said, no, no, no. As soon as you started carrying on with that guy, it was over. Yeah. Because because you know to spin multiple plates like that, 
and to carry on with her boss and to come home with to, to me. And, you know, that's not love. That's not how that works. It's not true love you know, in, in, in the in the healthy mind sense. That is not love by any stretch in the imagination to her little broken world and all those broken women just like her. I did love you. That's what they'll say. And we'll be like, oh, please come on. She's just working with the tools she had. She was a very broken person. I mean, very broken. And what sexual abuse is that? What we had in the past? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and here's here's the thing. There's there's no curing these people. No, no. And no. and this what this will happen over. Oh yeah, and over. absolutely. She's and her, yeah. And I, I I even thought about messaging her boss, being like, "Listen, dude." But then I thought to myself, <laughs> "Don't. Yeah, just let it go. He has it coming." Yeah. I, I'll just let the I'll let the, the wife yeah. will figure it out at one point. He loses business will lose everything and that's what he fucking deserves i mean is is there um, is there hope that, like if, if there's some woman listening to this right now and she's like but i was sexually abused as a child and i i've i have problems and i've been going to therapy hey, religiously. Hey, me too me too yeah i was too and uh but you know what i have empathy and i have a moral code mm. and and here, and here's the difference okay um these humans who are in cluster B, you know, narcissistic personality disorder, people who have NPD. Uh, this is something that is either generational or it's brought on by severe trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there is no cure and they go from person to person. They repeat the same patterns over and over. They don't care about other people's feelings. You know, they don't, they cannot experience love the way that, your average healthy people can experience love. They always feel empty. They always feel devoid. Mm -hmm. And this is just what they have for the rest of their life. And that's, you know, that's really my, um, that's the only thing I have going for me right now is knowing that, that this is what she's going to live with forever. And don't get me wrong. I don't hate her. Mm -hmm. I'm not, but I am very angry and I'm very betrayed. Sure. Sure. And, uh, it's, you know, cause everybody gets cheated on. Everybody has these kind of issues, but it takes a special kind of person to be able to come home every night and look you in the eye and tell you that they love you and to keep on doing what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that you and I can't fathom. I, I couldn't live with that level of hurt and, and, and whatever in, within me, you know, to look at this person who loves me and realize that I'm leading some kind of strange double life that. In, in very, inevitably going to kill this person, you know, inside. I, why the hell would I do that? Well, because I have well, a, that mechanism in my head that says, hey, dummy, don't do that. <laughs> and, well, there, um, there's, three, there's three stages to their abuse cycle, typically. Yeah. You know, you, you have the stage number one, the infatuation or love bombing mm -hmm. stage. Love and I bring bombing. this up yeah. So, yeah. so if any of the men out there listening, you know, if you meet somebody and the, for, the, for the first year, maybe two years, you are the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're the smartest person they ever met. They're your soulmate. The sex is amazing. Oh my gosh, how could I ever live without you? I've been waiting my whole life to meet somebody with you. Uh, you know, this is this is stage one. Mm -hmm. Stage two is the devaluation, and that's when you know little things start to come up. You know, maybe they don't communicate with you as much. Maybe sex drops off a little bit. Maybe uh, you know your shiny's worn off. And what you start doing is you start tripping over yourself, trying to figure out what's wrong with you, how to get things back to that person that you love. Oh, sure, sure. And, you know, and I've been in therapy for the last five months. I've been, you know, seeking out 
people like you to figure out like, what am I doing wrong? What's my main failing as a man? What's going on with me? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I must be doing, you know, and you drive yourself crazy. I was throwing up every day, pounding Pepto-Bismol like it was fucking vodka, uh, you know, shitting my guts out from the anxiety, you know, try, you know, lying to myself about all these red flags that were going on, trying to get back to the initial stage. Then stage three is the discard. And you only get discarded when there's somebody new in the picture. Mm -hmm. And they always, they always have multiple people going. Yep. Always. Yeah. So, so if anybody out there is listening to this and saying, you know, you know, my, my wife, you know, it started off so amazing. We got married and then she started pulling away and I can't seem to figure out what's wrong. And, you know, she doesn't really want to go to therapy and she says all these big things, but her actions are totally different. You know, maybe start looking into NPD, maybe start looking into these cycles of abuse yeah. because at the end of the day, let's, let's call this what it is. Anybody living in a dead bedroom, anybody who has that, you're being abused. It's plain and simple. You know, if, if somebody, hold, yeah. I think it's, I think it's from your book where, where you said that, you know, somebody holds the exclusive keys to your sex life and the door is locked. That's a big problem. We don't want to jump to conclusions and say everyone that's living within a dead bedroom has a wife with a cluster B personality disorder. Oh, no, no, no. That's, yeah, that's not what but, I'm saying. That's yeah, but, but, saying it, but it is far, far more common than what a lot of guys think. Um, probably the most common flavor you'll hear is often borderline personality followed by narcissistic personality. Then there's histrionic personality disorder and so on and so mm -hmm. on. Um, very common. And they can usually be traced back to, and you pointed out to, is generational, meaning is it a... Is there a genetic component to it? Mom and grandma were like this, so she's far more likely to be like this. It's possible. Um, but that combined with some kind of acute, awful, traumatic moment in life, some kind of uh, abandonment, sexual abuse, or whatever else. I mean, how many times do I hear this from the guys that I talk to? I, I can't put a percentage on it, but it's probably 80-plus percent guys that I talk to when I say, so tell me about the wife. I have to sit back and relax because I'm about to hear 45 minutes of awfulness, just terrible life right. stories from their childhood. And it's uh, this brings the full circle here, here is that you're also part of this equation. And at the very least, you have to question yourself. And I understand this is very early in the process, so weeks, months ahead of time. But you've been in therapy for a while, and maybe this has come up. Why is it that two ways of looking at this? You're attracted to such a woman? Or that such a woman is attracted mm -hmm. to you. And where are you lacking in the mechanism mm -hmm. or tools to say, whoa, time out, something's goofy here. This, Because uh, there are some guys that are very sensitive to this. And, man, that, that woman sneezes the wrong way. And they'll be like, all right, it's good knowing you see it, bye. And um, while there's some other guys on the opposite end of the spectrum are like sexual abuse, past drug abuse, a history of infidelity. I, I can live with that as long as she gives me the attention. Sign me up. Yeah, as long as she give me the attention and validation that I need as a man, hey, whatever works for me. Uh, where do you fall on that spectrum? Do you find that you're far too over in the uh, too far? Your pendulum swings too far in the overlooking the obvious direction. And if so, why? Well, well, that's very interesting. You brought that up. As a matter of fact, now, I've been doing some extensive. I've been doing self work for years. Mm -hmm. And yesterday, I did a deep dive and I actually asked myself why. Do I pursue women like this? Because I'm a big fan of eye candy. I'm not going to lie to you. Sure. Like, sure. Who isn't? You know, I have, I have, yeah, I have an extremely, I, I'm very picky. Um, 
like I, I could not like somebody's hands and I'm like, no, sorry, can't be with you. <laughs> Elbows are too pointy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, I wish that wasn't true, but yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, I hear you. I'm I understand. Very yeah. yeah. I'm very shallow when it comes to aesthetic. And um, so, you know, any any man would want this girl. Like literally. Based on yeah, visuals like, alone. She, you know, she's like a no-brainer. We'll yeah. look at her. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, extremely feminine, you know, perfect body, just beautiful face, gorgeous hair. Um, graceful in her movements, uh, beautiful smile, silly, you know, just fun, uh, very, um, very, very feminine, which most masculine men are attracted to. Mm-hmm. So I had to ask myself, you know, why, you know, obviously the aesthetic was there, but I knew everything else, right? Why, why is this something that I'm attracted to? Well, uh, background on me, I, I mentioned that I had a childhood of being abused, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also adopted as well. Oh, okay. Okay. And I realized yesterday, after doing some meditating and thinking on it, that actually my mom is, or my adopted mom, is uh, is one of those people too. Sure, sure. And growing up, I watched her spin multiple plates. I watched her cheat on men. She would make me, you know, when, when her boyfriend would call, I'd have to lie to them and tell them, tell them. And she's like, Oh, if he calls, just tell him I'm out with one of my girlfriends or whatever. And, and that was quite an impactful revelation to me where I was like, Oh, Hmm. because I've never really felt loved really. Hmm. Um, my entire life, you know, I was abandoned when I was a baby. I, I've had, I've had a very interesting life, I'm very grateful for it. Actually, it's been, it's been an awesome ride so far and, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. But looking back on all that and being able to, well, it's like, uh, Bill Gates says, you can only connect the dots looking backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Looking back at that and having that realization yesterday, I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm attracted to such damaged women. You know, yeah. I, I've dated normal, healthy women and they bore the living shit out of me. <laughs> right. They're just, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I mean? I, I need, I'm with you. Yeah. I, yeah, I really like the daddy issues. I really like the, uh, I like the crazy. I don't, I don't know. I, is that, it, that's my thing. Is it as simple as saying because it's because of that initial um, love bombing stage of this person really, really needs me and really is over the top in love with me. That is enough to get you hooked. It, it, you know, there are some guys that can deal with that, but they'll have seven or eight crazy women in their stable, so to speak. And then when you say, how come, you know, why aren't you settling down? They'll laugh at you and say, yeah, with these women, are you crazy? No, they're good for a weekend of fun, but they're not long-term girlfriend or wife material by any stretch. But you kind of make that leap into, yeah, let's move in together. Let's hell, I'll build a house for you. I'll let's go out and find us a place and with some land and everything. You take, you do take that next step. And is it because yeah. you're just so overwhelmed at that early stage that you just ignore all of the red flags? Are you of the mindset of 
yeah, I see what's wrong here, but I can fix her? No, it's not so much fixing. It's, I guess I, I'm like a big old plow horse. I just put on my blinders and I, and I just move forward. Mm. And, uh, and it's sad because when I love, I love hard. Yeah. And, and I give and, um, and I don't hold anything back. You, you get the true authentic me and I'm not bitter. I'm not jaded. You know, I don't hate all women. I'm not one of those guys who's going to go super red pilled and be like, Oh, you know, this is just what women do. No, this is what sick people do. Yeah. You got it. Exactly. And, right. uh, you know, I, I, and, and you know, I still love her to this very moment. But I love the person that she pretended to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You loved a vision that you had in your mind. You loved, I mean, let's look at it. If you look at it like she's a, she's a, a puzzle with a bunch of different pieces. You loved, you know, half of those pieces. You just weren't quite aware of the other half. And if you had fully known and fully appreciated that other half of the pieces, then you wouldn't have fallen so hard into this. But you were kind of blind to them. And part of that was she hid them yeah. really well from you. And the other part was um, you chose to ignore it in a way because uh, yeah, she I did. She very bluntly hinted at that other whole half of the puzzle very early on. There's a whole half you're not aware of here, and it's pretty ugly. And you're like, I really don't give a shit. Look at you. Like, All right, let's do this. Um, I, I wrote down the, the line that you said we want to put that aside, and it was, I wanted to give her a life that she never had. Um, boy. That's the knight in shining armor right there, isn't it? Yep. And uh, that gets so many men in trouble. It's, uh, yeah, but it's the, do you feel that you were kind of coached into this knight in shining armor position in life? Did, you know, were people pulling you aside saying, look, this is what's expected out of men. This is what you do. You find a troubled one like this, well, I, ignore everything and fix things up for her. Well, I, I mean, that's what, media and Disney and everything pushes down our throats our entire lives, isn't it? In a way, yeah. With the Cinderella and the, the, what's the, who was it that was the Sleeping Beauty? And yeah, here comes the Savior. Yeah. Take him out of chaos and bring him into the normal life. Right. And, and, and she wasn't a materialistic person at all. So it wasn't, like I had to maintain an income level or I see. Um, yeah. buy anything like that. That You know, if, if, we, if we went to Ross and I got her like a $12 dress, she'd be like, oh my God, you know. Um, but it, I felt like the whole thing's just sad because her family loved me. Like her family had pictures of me up in their house, you know, and and I talked to her mom. She's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Hey, it's cool. You know, like if you, if you guys never need anything, let me know, but please, yeah. you know, I don't want any contact with her whatsoever. Yeah. And, and it, it just, it breaks my heart because you think, you know, somebody you think you, you, I go into everything with putting my best foot forward. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. Here's complete transparency. You know, Oh, you want to look at my phone? Knock yourself out. I don't care. You know, uh, if you go back far enough, you'll find something that pisses you off. But nothing, nothing in real time, recent history. You know, 
And that's what I would expect in return. And that's that, you know, every night she would curl up next to me and she would say like, you know, I love you so much, you know, I'm never going to leave you, you know, cause she knew, and this is another cluster B tendency. She knew what all of my triggers were. Mm. You know, she knew, she knows about my abandonment issues going back to when I was a baby. She knows about, you know, we bonded over that woman who disappeared. You know, that's when she started messaging me. And, you know, as I got to know her, I shared her details. Oh my God, that's terrible. I would never do that to you. Oh, that's just, I can't believe somebody would treat you that way. You're so amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, and then, you know, I told her, I said, you took every piece of ammunition that you knew and you did it on me. I mean, what is wrong with you? You know, it's kind of uh, the cluster B, and this is a very unpolitically incorrect thing to say, but when you look at it on paper, it's almost like what we would call as men, typical female behavior, but amplified like a million fold. Um, every woman, Absolutely. every woman at the beginning stages of what, what I call the mating game, which is, Hey, I want to be your partner. Both sides present like the most attractive versions of themselves. Women will typically stay leaner. They'll dress more seductively and they'll be more flirtatious and they will validate the hell out of their guy. And I've seen it again and again with very mentally healthy women. They'll just naturally start molding themselves to validate the, their new man. But the cluster B mentally unhealthy types just take that to the next level. And they will often do things like, yeah, I'll do drugs. If, if my new boyfriend that I've fallen in love with does drugs, sure. Heroin, whatever. He wants to prostitute me to his friends. Fine. You just like what? So they, they really mold themselves sometimes to their benefit, sometimes to their detriment. Um, so it's, so you can see, and you can make the case for why the hell did that guy stick around? Well, he saw that with his five other girlfriends too. He kind of was trained into thinking this is what girls do when they're in love. And it's true. They do, but not to the extent of a mentally unhealthy person. So it's kind of hard to differentiate the two, especially when you're in love, when right. you're in love, all everything's thrown out. That's, um, right. Th- that's where you have your, um, your, your tribe to fall back on family and friends. Did anybody ever to you say, be careful, dude, I don't like what I'm seeing here. No, she had all my friends fooled too. Wow. Like they, they couldn't believe it. Yeah. They were like, they're like, I don't understand. Like she, you were everything to her. I'm like, yeah, go figure. Yeah. And yet what's interesting and, is that you get on a group like our Facebook group and make one post. And I don't know how many people kind of insinuated like, uh Oh, something's wrong here just by virtue of what, yeah. what you typed up. So it's like, we weren't, we didn't have that fog of the, the, the pretty woman and watching you two in love and watching her actions and stuff. We just saw the plain black and white of here's the facts. And all of us said, Oh, so right. th- that goes to your case of boy, they really put on a show and they really know how to uh, manipulate those around them. Um, so we, we've beaten you up enough of how the hell could you not see this coming, dude? Um, We've beaten her up enough of, wow, she's a mentally ill person. Let's just wipe all that clean as much as we can and say, going forward, this ain't going to be your last rodeo, but no. what can you learn from this going forward of, well, I guess let's back up and say, do you have plans for, you would, do, would you still love to have a one long-term relationship from now until the day you die kind of relationship? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I, I'm a bit of a hopeless romantic at the end of the day. You know, I, I really am, you know, I, I, I wield, 
I like to think I have a good balance of masculine and feminine energy that I wield. You know, when it comes to art and writing and mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. and everything I do in a creative sense, that's all feminine energy. Um, and then, of course, I engage in combat sports and I love hitting the gym and going out in the woods and shooting guns and all that stuff, too. Right. I, um, but at the end of the day, I would love to meet my person and share a life with them and travel and do everything. And I can do all those things by myself, too. You know, that's fine. But mm-hmm. I, I would really like, I, you know, I, I wrote out. I wrote out a whole list of the qualities that I want my partner to have. And then I wrote out another list of the qualities that I do not want her to have, (laughs) you know, and I got that from uh, Corey Wayne, actually. I've been listening. And that's the funny thing too, is I've been listening to like reading your book and listening to on tape and the call and, and other, other people in this space, you know, for the last five or six months trying to figure out, you know, What's wrong with me? But I've come to the conclusion that there's nothing. Well, there's a lot of things wrong with me. I obviously have a lot of failings. I'm not a perfect man. Mm-hmm. But as as far as having the right energy, maintaining the frame, I think I do pretty good. Obviously, I have a lot of work to do. And when you're not head over heels in love with somebody, I don't think you let things slide the way you typically would. Um, but from here on out, I would like to find... I would like to find somebody who's healthy and on the same page as me and wants the same things that I want out of life and, uh, and is ready to get up and go get after it. So how the, well, then here's the million dollar question. How do you balance the two worlds? Two worlds being I'm a hopeless romantic and I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm not ashamed of that versus well, I really need to cover my butt and make sure I don't get hurt again. And I need to keep toxic people out of my life. How do you balance the two? I, I guess that's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Um, how, how would you say to balance the two? Well, it sounds counterproductive, but it's almost as if you almost have to keep one toe out of the relationship. And I get a sense from you that when you're in the relationship, boy, you're really in the relationship and you throw yourself in a thousand percent. And on paper, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I think a psychologist would say there's a little bit of the um, oh, codependency kind of leaking in there. Um I need you and I need Absolutely. you to, I need you and I need you to need me kind of thing and not necessarily healthy. Uh, what's ironic is that I keep saying on paper, boy, you really are playing the part of Mr. Independent. Hell, you, you're an artist. You're this, you're that. You're a self-made man. You're well-to-do. Um, you beat the shit out of guys for fun, shooting guns and all the other stuff. This is a lot of stuff that a lot of guys, if you read my stuff and hear my stuff, they really need to work on that because they've lost that completely by virtue well, of their parenthood and marriage. But you got that covered. Right. So it's it's almost as if you are you got it all covered, everything's cool, everything's kosher until she comes in the picture. And then it's kinda like you just you don't shut all that off because you're still doing that. But there's something, some mechanism in your brain that f- floods you or, or or completely floods that side of the ship and you ignore all the rest. I don't know how, how I'm going to explain this very well, but well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Yeah. I'm desperate to be, to be loved because I've, I've never yeah. really felt that my entire life. And it's, and it's a challenge for me to say that, but I can step up and say it, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what's inside of me because the abandonment, the abuse, the lack of people protecting me, 
growing up always made me feel like I was not enough, always made me feel like I was unworthy. And I, I'm sure there's other men out there listening to this who are like, man, that's, <laughs> that's some real shit. And that's how yeah. I feel also. Yeah. But I, I'm going to come here and say it for everybody. You know, we as men, you know, we, we have a lot put on us as far as being stoic and being, being tough and, and, mm-hmm. you know, mental toughness and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, we're humans. Yeah. You know, we're animals. And, uh, and I've never had anybody who really did the best they could for me. Is that, impo- and, is and that impossible hard, to, it's hard. is that impossible? Sorry, Dendra. Is that impossible to find outside of a romantic relationship? Uh, no, I, I have a lot of very close male friends and these are relationships that I've cultivated over a decade. Um, being, uh, I'm, I'm involved in masonry also. I'm a, I'm a Freemason. Oh, well. cool. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, I've developed some really great long lasting, almost like mentorship relationships with, with, with men. And, and I also, um, you know, help and mentor younger men the best I can and try to pass on what I've learned, but, but that's, that's not yeah. the same energy. Yeah. So. There's still that itch that needs to get scratched and your, um, your need for it is so strong that I'm afraid it's just going to continue to get you in trouble. So we need to find some way of bringing, bringing the, um, your rational calculating deductive side of you who looks at the woman and says, well, she's not checking these four boxes. So she's out. We need to bring that out more because boy, that just gets completely smothered by the, Oh, she's hot and she makes me feel amazing feeling, which uh, I'm not picking on you directly. This, how many men does this apply to? Oh, I don't know. Almost all of us. How many of us have been hurt by women? Um, how many of us have been in relationships where, you know, you sit down with your buddy and you talk about girlfriends and he's, <laughs> let me tell you about this psycho that I used to, I used to date back in college and you'll hear some just amazing stories. Um, the problem is, is that you're batting a thousand so far when it comes to, uh, the relationship thing. Uh, you know, I don't put words in your mouth. Would you, looking back, would you say that all your former partners fall on this spectrum? Like the ex-girlfriend? Um, I wouldn't say all, but I'd say the majority scales that way yeah you know it's it's funny you, you mentioned them being super hot as being one of your criteria which what guy doesn't have that down as a criteria um well we're going to go off on the on the on the sexist train here so if this is going to bother any of you listening to this sorry you shut it off now but how how in your experience you probably have more experience with women than i do how true is it to the saying of the hotter they are the the more likely they are to be crazy um <laughs> I would say that's pretty accurate. Yeah. What do you think that is? Do you think it's that they haven't had to, is it that they've been catered to so much? Is it that, uh, they haven't had to deal with a lot of the life's ups and downs, like what your average human being would that, you know, everyone rolls the red carpet out for them. So they don't have to do that tough inner work. What do you think's going on there? Cause I would agree with you. Well, are, are you talking about pre wall or post wall women? <laughs> For those that don't know, the concept of the wall is one uh, where all women and arguably men too hit a certain age. And once they hit that age, their looks and so forth are such that uh, they don't get the cat calls anymore. Or they don't, uh, they're don't. they not your your stereotypical Hollywood beauty anymore. And what that age yeah, is. They're, they're SMB. Their age is uh, 
what that age is varies from woman to woman. I've seen some knockout gorgeous 50 year old woman, 50 year old women. That's boy, we're really going down the road here. <laughs> That's oh, uh, absolutely. Let's go down. The road. Yeah. So when you look at Hollywood, who, who are the bombshell women? What your early mid twenties women? That's what we think about when we think of your stereotypical hot woman, the early mid twenties woman. And when you look at the data that shows, like online dating, for example, there's a book uh, out there which I recommend to all guys called A Billion Wicked Thoughts, and a very cool book that takes uh, all the data that we know via the internet and online dating and, and Google searches and so forth, which is all anonymous. Everyone does this, and we all think that no one can see what it is we're doing. But when we look at that and say, well, what are men searching for in online dating, Google and everything, we know that youth, when it comes to women, reign supreme. Right. Um, men t- tend to like younger women. And when you look at the online dating, whether the guy's 20 or whether the guy's 69 years old, they're all looking at the same age group, that 20s, early, at the latest, early 30s. So a lot of guys have deduced that, well, we'll call that that limit, that age where all of a sudden they go from hot to not so much, we'll call that the wall. So there's a quick, succinct, not so succinct description of what you're talking about. So what I'm talking about is when I say to you, I, I don't care if we want to call it wall or whatever we want to call that. Our women who we objectively look at and say hot, and we know hot when we see it, it's a universal thing. We all know it. Uh, do they tend to have more mental issues than the women that are not? Um, you know, that's not a scientific question by any means because you're going to look, well, what's the, who's this, what's the sample size? What's the audience? What's, the, are we talking about online dating? Are we talking about in the real world? Are we talking, but in your experience, you're saying, yeah, you've seen that. Well, absolutely. I, I think that when a woman knows that she has a high SMB, like for example, the, the girl that we were referencing earlier, um, SMB you know, being, she, uh, you want to give the definition? Sexual, there? Sure. Uh, sexual market value. Okay. When, when they know they have a high SMB, they're, they are full aware that, you know, like <laughs> I remember one time she was getting uh, dressed to go to work and she's like, oh, do you think this outfit's too revealing? And, and she was wearing like, it was like a sundress, you know? And I, I told her, I said, listen, you could be in a burlap sack. It wouldn't make a difference. Like you can wear whatever you want. I don't, I don't, I don't care. The, the fact is, is men are going to notice you and hit on you. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it, the challenge you have, I, well, the challenge that I have noticed is that when you're, when you're dating and dealing with high SMB women, they are, they are uniquely aware of the fact that you are replaceable at any time. Mm-hmm. And typically women are always out there looking for the bigger, better deal. You know, like for, you know, with, with, with the girl I was referencing, you know, Oh, she wants to be a tattoo artist. Oh, this guy owns a bunch of tattoo shops. Oh, he's successful and well-respected. You know, how could I compete with that? Mm-hmm. Even with everything else that I do and who I am and what I bring to the table, you know, it, it's, it doesn't tickle the hypergamy the way that that guy does. And even oh, though sure. he's a fat, disgusting old slob, <laughs> right? Um, when it well, comes I, I'm not trying to be rude, but no, no, know, yeah, it but... is what it is. But for, it, it for just, her, it just goes to show. Yeah, what what flavor of, of of upgrading she needed? He really checked those boxes. He he filled that well, need for it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll we'll see how that works out when the wife finds out. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll just put this out there. If if because I I date young beautiful women, 
you know, my strike zone typically would be anywhere from, and she was younger than I typically strike for. We got together when she was 20. Oh boy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Y'all can laugh. I know. But God damn, was that amazing? Mm-hmm. All right. It was like having, it was like having flame and yawn every night. But, but let me tell you, my strike zone typically is 24 to 30 ish, depending on how they take care of themselves. You know, I also require no baggage. I don't want a woman who has kids. I don't want a woman who's, um, has a psycho ex. I don't want a woman with, with, uh, because like I said, what I enjoy to do is I like to have spontaneous good times. Like, Hey, you know what? Like, for example, and this is before I read your book, she got home from work. There was a bag packed. I said, Hey, we're going, where are we going? Don't worry about it. It's all, I already booked everything. I already got everything all done. I have a, we're going to stay uh, at this awesome place tonight. Where is it? Don't worry about it. It's handled. And then tomorrow I already packed you some boots and, uh, and jeans and a hoodie. We're going to do, go do something you've always wanted to do. What is it? You'll see. I like to be able to do that stuff. So I, I require a woman that doesn't have a lot of baggage. I also prefer somebody who doesn't have, I don't, I prefer a woman who's not overly career minded. I know that sounds kind of weird. No, I understand. But if somebody's sure. working, yeah, if somebody's working 60 hours a week and, you know, they want to climb the corporate ladder, hey, you know what? Good for you. You do that. I, I want somebody who has more of a traditional mindset and values. So you, so, I guess the case could be made if I were a very, um, oh, negative minded person, I would say, well, shit, what'd you expect? <laughs> You've limited to young, hot, ultra super feminine, for lack of a better term, not a hint of the masculine side of the career, yada, yada, focused, um, spontaneous, no kids, no nothing. Uh, yeah, you're kind of setting yourself up there. And I'm not saying you should necessarily, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. Some people tell you this, you need to lower your standards a little bit, buddy. They can't all be tens. You need to go after some fours and fives. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I'm like, live it up, buddy. Have fun. But here we are again at, but be careful and you, mm. you need to train yourself to be more careful and be able to see those flags and be able to pull the pin and say, I'm out. And that's where, yeah. that's why I think that's I what's do. hurting you. Cause you can have all the fun in the world. You can I, have 12 girlfriends in the next year and look back on the year and go, that was fun. Um, but none of them were really the one. And, um, you know, it's kind of a lot of men come to me with stories of, my wife was great up until she had a, uh, some, maybe she may have been way too heavy or something. And she had gastric bypass surgery and she lost a ton of weight and she lost all this weight and she started getting a lot of attention. And next thing I know, she's staying out all night and she's cheating on me. And doesn't, mm. doesn't this prove that all women are just hypergamous, awful, terrible human beings? I said, well, that's for another conversation, but for your particular situation, what that showed was she's not good relationship material. You just found out the hard way. All it all it took was some weight loss, and she's off. Well, she's not she's not wife material. Welcome to the club. Most of them aren't. It's it's that simple. And uh, you, it could be argued, are going. You're. It could be argued that you're kind of wanting some wife material here, aren't you? I want somebody that's loyal. Yeah, goes with me through life. Mm-hmm. But you're not necessarily looking in the wife end of the store. It could be argued. Mm. Um, that's that's compelling. Um. But then again, what do I mean by that? Uh, 
Are you saying that you should go for the uglier ones? Well, hell, I, I tell, wouldn't tell anybody that. The more intelligent, more well-read ones, I think there's a case to be made there. Um, the career-focused ones, well, now you're going into a whole other world that may not necessarily be the best. This is coming from a guy who's married to a surgeon. Um, I know that world. I know that world well. And the vast majority of the women in that world, good fucking luck. <laughs> Excuse right. my French. Um, so there's no easy solution here. And I think anybody that will tell you that is going to be honest with you, just like in sales, it's a numbers game. And just like in sales, sometimes the no is the greatest answer in the world because you don't waste time. You don't, you don't waste money. You're in there. You think so much. Shake hands. I'm out. Now I can go on to four more prospects today. One of them is going to be a yes. That's fine. I, I don't care if I get four no's in the process. Um, you're going to need mm. to meet. If you're trying to find a woman that's beautiful, feminine, young, uh, unencumbered by kids, got a good head on her shoulders, she's loyal, she comes from a good family, no history of abuse. Um, what else are we looking for here? Career focused, eh, not uh, so, smart, 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 intelligent, smart, yeah, career fun. focused, not so much. <clears throat> That's not that super important to you, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to have to go through, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, when you go to the store, like Walmart, they have um, a display of DVDs where it's just a giant basket of DVDs that are all loosely in there. <laughs> <laughs> and they yeah. all say five bucks on the, the sticker. And you just see people yeah. sorting through them going, no, no, no. That's what you got to do. Yeah, the bargain bin. Just sort through it. Down there somewhere is a copy of Jurassic Park for two bucks. You're like, sweet. you know. But otherwise, you got to sort through a lot of shit to get there. Um, it's a numbers game. The, the problem is, is that if you're like a lot of guys who have pretty high standards like what you do, you're going to grow impatient. And you're going to be two, one, two years into this. And you're how old? 45, you said? 44. 44. Well, you're going to be 60 tomorrow. And you should know by now, I'm not joking, that's how fast this goes by. I don't know about you, but I was 20 yesterday. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 50's around the corner for both of us. And um, you ain't getting any younger. And there's going to come a point where you're going to go, you know, maybe... Fill in the blank isn't so important after all. And I think we all come to that point at some point or another in our life. What I hope you don't compromise is, you know, maybe, maybe mental health isn't that important. Um, mm. I would hope that's at the very top of your criteria. In other words, I would hope that a woman who's objectively a seven on the look scale, and I know you go for the the tens and above, so to speak. She's a seven on the look scale. She's a good looking woman, but she's not necessarily, she's not necessarily, oh, holy shit, who's that? But she's got all the other criteria you want. I would hope that you wouldn't turn that woman away. I would hope if she's a good woman with a good head on her shoulders, she's loyal and she comes from a good family and she's mentally strong, intelligent, etc. But man, she's kind of flat chested and she's got a little bit of gray hair. Uh, if I were your friend, I'd smack you upside the head and say, dude, what are you doing? That's, she's awesome. If you don't want her, I'll take her, you know? Um, now what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I, I don't know about the flat chest and gray hair. Piece. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there, there are, there are, there are, there are implants and there's hair dye. I mean, these aren't insurmountable things. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know. I know. I, you know, and, and I've dated those women and, um, it, they, it's to, hmm. 
<laughs> I, I I hope we're not getting to the point of saying, yeah, DSO, but um, I need that extra sizzle to get me going. And the only thing I've determined that gives me that extra sizzle in life is genuine mental illness. Mm. No, it, it, I could leave the mental illness piece. Thank you very much. But I really <laughs> enjoy the disgusting, kinky, dirty, filthy sex. Um, and sometimes it's hard to find that without the mental illness piece. Mm. I've noticed, I don't know. I've gone out with a lot of women. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've dated a lot of women and I find typically not only the hot crazy matrix, but the good sex crazy matrix is also a very real thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh just, yeah, uh, that's absolutely crazy in head, crazy in bed. Right. We've all heard that. that oh, absolutely. But, but that's the thing though, too. Um, would I be willing to trade off consistency for consistent good sex or, you know, cause I'll tell you what, with what I've been going through in the last six months, it was torture. Always wondering where she is, mm-hmm. you know, catching her in lies, sure, sure. you know, all, all the bullshit, huge turnoff. And of course the dead bedroom too, which, you know, I have never felt so ugly or repulsive in my life. Yeah. You know, and, and that really hurt. Um, that really hurt bad. But I, 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 I understand. I, I can look at this objectively and see like, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely out there looking for trouble. You know, mm-hmm. it's like that meme of the guy who who's riding the bicycle and he sticks the, uh, the little, uh, the, the, stick the stick in his spokes. spokes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It says, damn, damn you women. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I, I love women. You know, there's, there's a lot of guys out there who put out content who you can tell just hate women with a passion. I love women. I think they're wonderful. You know, I, I like to think I sort of maybe scratch the surface of an understanding of women. And that's because I've done a lot of reading on the, on the subject. But at the end of the day, I have my, my boxes that need to be ticked mm. and I don't feel I should have to settle for anything because I bring a lot to the table as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just like in sales, you reference sales. I, I could be across the table from somebody in a negotiation and they're ready and willing to move forward. And I look at them and say, you know what? I don't think, I don't think we'd be a good fit because mm-hmm. I know they're going to be a pain in the ass through the entire transaction cycle. And even probably afterwards. But where was where was that with the ex, the, this recent ex and the other exes? Where was that abend- the, the sense of abundance is basically what you're talking about. I don't need you, Mr. Client, prospective client. I don't need your sale. In fact, all I see is a bunch of headaches. See you later. Well, two years of love bombing to get me hooked yeah. in. You know, two <laughs> yeah. years of consistency like that. Yeah. That's a that's a long that's a long game. Yeah, it's it's like the uh, this prospective client sitting across from you, and he says. Yeah, but I'm about to give you a sale that will let you retire at the age of 50 and you'll never have to work another day because this will pay your commissions. What, what you made last year in commissions, it's going to be tenfold with this one sale. It's like the equivalent of that. What right. salesman's going to turn that down? They'll be like, I think I'm willing to put up with a whole bunch of headaches for that. Jeez, you got yeah. it. They'll shake hands every time. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. And I, I fell so madly in love with this girl. It was ridiculous. But yeah. it, looking back on it, other than 
I mean, for the, the parts that I thought were real, and I have to realize that the person who I thought she was does not exist. And, and it's, it's true. You know, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. But man, did I have a great time there for a while. And there you so go. I'm, I'm great. That's I'm fine. You had, a, that. you had a great time. You're grateful for that. And she mm-hmm. sure did teach you some things, didn't she? Or she at least led you by the hand towards a whole new world of knowledge that you didn't know of before. All these months of self-reflection and learning and therapy and, and reading and so forth. Now a lot of things are making you go, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And if it wasn't for her, you may not have gotten to this point. That's that's kind of how I look at my yeah. ex-wife. You know, it's, you know, I, I'm more indifferent towards her than I've ever been. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, if it wasn't for her, there'd be none of this DSO thing. I wouldn't have met all these great men in my life. I wouldn't have met my wife mm-hmm. now. I wouldn't have. That's kind of how you look at this. And well, when it's I kind of like the car accident, you know, and there's always a silver lining. There you go. There you go. That could, pff, we both know that could have been a lot worse, a lot worse. But uh, and you you had to go through hell for a bit there, but you uh-huh. but you came out of it. So same type of thing. You're going to go through hell with all this, and you're going to go through a lot of resentment. And you're going to go through twelve more gals, maybe in the next month. By the sound of things. <laughs> oh, I, 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 you know, I asked a girl out yesterday, and uh, it was funny because. Um, I, I haven't really found any women attractive in the last couple of years. I, when, when I'm, you know, I'm, huh, I, I'm very faithful. When you're in, you're in. Yeah. When I'm in, I'm in. You know, I don't even give women the, the time of day. You know, and uh, <clears throat> you know, I saw this girl yesterday. I'm like, wow, she's actually cute. You know, and and so I asked her out, and she said, yeah, sure, but you know, I don't really know you or whatever. I'm like, that's fine. You know, we'll we'll figure it out. Just um, you know, let me know when you're available and we'll go from there. And and that was a big step for me because it, it's, it's been, geez, a week and a half. I'm still, I know, I'm still, <laughs> I know, I know. But like you said, you know, it, it was a good learning experience. And I have to, I, I can't let myself, because, well, one of the side effects from, from the brain injury, you know, is I do get some depression. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to let myself slip into that that space. You know, I, I simply can't afford it. And, um, and I saw somebody who I found attractive, so I took advantage of it. And, you know, because you, you get one chance at that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, you, you just, you, you have to act or, or else somebody else will. And, you know, I don't know, we don't have a date set yet or anything like that. But who knows? I'm, you know, optimistic. But if it happens, great. If not, that's fine, too. You just said something Whatever. about uh, not wanting to slip into a depression. Are you looking at these women as an as a, as a analgesic, as a, as a medication for preventing that? No, not, not in the slightest. Good. But I'll tell you one thing. Um, and this move has been very challenging. And... She was my my world out here, and I think that's part of the issue as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I, although I, I I do keep a very tight leash on neediness. You know, I, that's something that I I do observe and recognize, mm-hmm. and I try not to ever get into that realm with women. But it's been hard. You know, it's been even though I, I you know I, I've met guys at the gym who are cool, and of course the people at jujitsu are great. Um, you know, I'm, I'm joining a new lodge out here, which will be great, um, to meet people. 
Um, you know, but to, to move across country to set up a life and, you know, and I'm, I'm a full-time dad too. You know, my daughter lives with me full time. Oh really? Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. She's 18. And, uh, and I have twin boys also that wow. are uh, 14. Yep. But I have them half time, not to mention a very demanding career, not to mention making art, not to mention writing books, not to mention starting a new company this week also. Um, just a little busy. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, it's, it would be nice to have somebody to share this with. Mm-hmm. I hear you. That's, that's the driving force for everybody. Uh, like, like I mentioned in the book, even the most badass guy in the world, you know, picture your outlaw biker. He's got a woman on his back. It's just our, yep. it's our natural incl- inclination is just to uh, bond with somebody and go through life. It just makes it that much better until it doesn't. And then, oh boy, it makes it hell. Um, yeah. And so, I, I have no desire to move on. I, well, I definitely have a desire to move on, but, but if I meet somebody great, if not, that's fine too. I, I have enough on my plate to keep me busy, but it would, I forget who makes the analogy. It might be Richard Cooper. Um, who says you know, like your life is like baking a really nice cake and a woman is the ice. That's uh, Robert, Robert Glover. No more Mr. Nice guy. Ro- uh, Rob, yeah. Robert Glover. Thank you. Yeah. I, I get all the guys in the space mixed up sometimes. <laughs> Um, I read that book also and I was like, mm, I don't think that's me. No, I don't either. But you are yeah. an interesting case. This is the, uh, I, I did an article on the former Mr. Nice guy versus the, uh, I think I called it former Mr. Playboy alpha male type. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, Chris Rock, you know, the comedian, he had a bit where he said, uh, uh women can't go backwards financially. So in other words, once they get a taste of the good life, they're not going to settle for somebody that's below that status. And and men cannot go backwards sexually. Um, so you, I, I heard that and I said, yep. Um, so you got your work cut out for you in terms of you've seen the promised land for the sexuality that only 20-something-year-old crazy gals can bring. So, oh, God, it's good. Well, you know... <laughs> You're every woman's nightmare in a way, which is like if I were to sit down with a woman and say, um, I got a, uh, I got a guy for you, maybe. Oh, tell me about him. And we just describe, you know, all your positive attributes. He's got this going on. He's doing this. And the woman just gets her eyes get wider and wider. She's like, she's, I got to meet this guy. Well, here's the problem. He tends to only date crazy 20 somethings. And that woman would just hang her head and say, why, why do they all do that? Why is that? Why is it that all these well, guys that are just so objectively awesome just waste their time on these crazy bimbos like this? Because we can afford them. <laughs> I mean, well, honestly, I, and that, that's the thing, too. I, I have a lot of female friends. I went out to coffee last week with, with a girl who I've been friends with for, geez, you know, nearly a decade. And she's in her mid-30s and very cool and, you know, beautiful and all this cool stuff. And she's like, what it, why why do all the guys that I know, you know, they're dating like younger women? And I'm like, well, uh, if they're well to do, they can afford it. Okay, it's the same same reason why men like to drive nice cars is because it's it's a status symbol. Also, and, and number two, also, you know, keep in mind, um, you know, all the guys that you turned down who were your age, all through your twenties, and you were dating the older guys. You think that's changed? She's like, oh. <laughs> yeah you know also yeah. also i'm covered in tattoos and uh 
and I'm, I don't know if you've seen me, but I'm relatively handsome. <laughs> so it's, it, 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 it's, I know I'm a pain in the ass. You know, I, I am, I am every woman's nightmare because I, I won't even, I wouldn't even, I mean, you, and, and like, and, and it's not so much an age, but for me, it's like, if you're over 30 and unmarried, mm, what the fuck is going on with you? You know, like what's, what's the problem? That's how you look are at you, the women you, when you say, you, when you say that an unmarried 30 right. something year old woman, you go, something's got to be wrong here. Well, there, that's definitely a red flag, you I know, see. I see. Uh, along with all the other red flags that I would, I would notice. Yeah. I would just say like, if, if you're unmarried and you're in your thirties and mm-hmm. you've never been married, you never had kids either, either you're so hyper masculine and career driven. I wouldn't want anything to do with you anyway. And I've dated, I've dated like uh, TV show producers who are women who are in their you know mid forties. And, you know, they were very powerful, very wealthy, well-to-do women. And I hang out with them and it's just like to try to get them out of that masculine energy mm. and get them to relax mm. and actually open up into the feminine. It's just simply too much work. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, simply too much work. I think your mindset overall, and to end on this, cause we've been going for a while, your, your mindset overall would be one. If, if you were a guy that, if you told me, I just plan on dating, I'm cool with dating from now until the end of time wife schmife that ain't for me i'd be like hey hallelujah high five have at it tiger enjoy but you have that one little itch that needs to get scratched and you're like no i want to settle down with somebody that's my end goal here you've made things pretty tough on yourself and uh, i think yeah i I want a partner but i don't want to settle down i'll put it like (laughs) that i want to do all kinds of outlandish crazy stuff the rest of my life you know it's there i i am not of the world of what they call alternative lifestyles and such. Um, and, and I know that's a broad brush. Does, does that world of, I'm trying to think what some of the wor- words are that they use. Uh, polyamory is one where you've, you know, uh, swingers and so forth. Been there, done, been there, done that, been there, done that. Okay. I didn't I know had, if maybe had, that appealed had to you. Multiple that's girl. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's I, not I'm, for you. You know, multiple girlfriends, uh, DS relationships, DS. BDSM, all that. Oh, the yeah, okay. Bondage. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So you you uh, dabbled DDL, in just about everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. DDLG is my personal favorite. I don't. Um, please, you have to. I don't know. The, <laughs> what is that? Sure. DDLG. Uh, what is that? Uh, Daddy Dom, little girl. Oh wow. Okay, that's a whole new world. I know nothing about. Interesting. Daddy Dom, oh, little great, girl. Paul. No, I'm I'm sure. Absolutely. Good times. <laughs> okay. Good. Times. Um, All right, and and that can be any it, that can be any age. Don't get me wrong; it's not it's it's just a uh, a dynamic that some people a kinky thing. Yeah, some gotcha. people. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 fun. You know, it's harmless. Okay, so you're but, right. I'm talking to yeah, an expert. We, we, we have. Okay. Yeah. So you're, but I, I write. I, I you're right about everything, and you know, this has been very valuable to me, and I hope it's been valuable to the people listening. Yeah, I think you represent. Uh, an admittedly small portion of the readership, but there's a lot of guys like you out there. And I would say, um, if after listening to this, I'll post it on the Facebook group and everything else, let's get some conversation going. Cause I know there are others like you. I can think of a couple that are in the group now that are, that would listen to this and nod their head. And, and how is it that they are navigating the long-term relationship marriage waters with the experience that they have, with the mindset that they have, with this, kind of a hyper abundance kind of 
thought process of I'm not going to put up with this, this, and this. But at the same time, boy, I sure do put blinders up when it comes to the crazy. I'm not quite sure how to navigate that exactly. So, yeah, I keep coming back to the phrase. You got your work cut out for you. You'll hear me hear me say that a lot yeah, to a lot I of guys. Sh- I sure do. This, yeah. this relationship and, and the, game ain't easy. Yeah, and, and the one thing I'd say to all the readers out there and who have been really awesome, you know, I'm grateful to all of you for taking the time to help me out. It's really been great is that life is short guys. And I'm not one to ever give relationship advice because look at me. Obviously (laughs) I have no idea what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. but I will, but I will say this is life is life is short to live frustrated. And, uh, you have to decide. I mean, I, I, I hung on in a marriage for a long time, even though her behavior wasn't what I would call, um, stellar mm. but there there is a light of that in the tunnel and if you have been suffering for a long time and you just don't know what to do you know life doesn't end in divorce you know when i was when i got divorced i was 32 and i didn't know what i was going to do and i felt like i would be alone forever and you know you know six months later pow hot girl from a fake tits seems great you know so <laughs> <laughs> on that note <laughs> <laughs> there's a good ending for it all right well danny thanks so much hey thank you so much dad starting over i really appreciate you man. i appreciate you a great deal and thank you for joining the group and uh don't be a stranger and we will see you around absolutely you have a great rest of your day all right thank you you too if you're listening to this you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement you probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on -on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.